Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. There's no secret formula for customer service, but there is an all new service hub from HubSpot and it's bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible. You can free up your customer support reps time with an AI powered help desk so you can easily support and grow your customer base. The secrets out service hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. I built and sold an Amazon FBA business. For me, no VC money, no employees. I was working full time. I started with 5,000 bucks in my little Chromebook. Building on the back of Amazon, I mean, it has this risk. We can talk about that, but it also has this huge scale and leverage that you can generate. All right, I got the great first product. This is going to be awesome. Look for enough demand, but not so much competition. I've done all my product research and I source it out of China. I get this logo off of Fiverr. Like I feel like, all right, I got the right pieces in place and I get it in, I launch it and it is a total fail. I got burned so bad the first time. I'm hurting because I do not want to stay in the career of midnight. So I'm feeling like so much is riding on this and it's just got to work. And once I got a little taste of it, it was like, okay, now it's on. That first year did almost six figures in revenue. It almost didn't feel real until the deposits hit in the bank. And I'm like, oh my God, people are really buying this. The hardest thing to overcome was really my own self-doubt. I mean, it felt like every order I placed, I was like putting my whole net worth on the line. It was crazy. We put the business on and within, I want to say a week or 10 days, there were seven full price or higher offers. People can access these types of businesses and with a pretty small bet, like create a life-changing business for themselves right. and their families. To carry something from kind of the idea in your head, to building it, to scaling it, to selling it, like you got to want it. Pretty asymmetrical. Like I started with 5,000 bucks and it turns into a seven-figure business. Five million is not enough. 10 million. 15 million. 20 million dollars. 100 million dollars. Almost a half a billion in revenue. million dollars. One or two people in a bedroom actually the threats to these like giant multi-billion dollar companies because you have creativity and you have nothing to lose. Add another zero to that price, buddy. Add two more zeros. <laughs> First, First million. Every week we sit down with self-made millionaires and ask them, how did you do it? I didn't start a podcast. I started my own personal business school. And the teachers are the successful entrepreneurs behind the biggest brands and businesses that you find today. I wanted to know the real stories with all the details, like how did you get your first hundred customers? What did it feel like when shit hit the fan? I ask them, how do you spend your money now that you're rich? And what would you do if you were starting over from scratch again today? If you're like me and you want to own your own business instead of living a nine to five job, this is the podcast for you. The Hustle presents My First Million. Paul, what's up, man? How are you? You you flew in uh, today, today, right? Or last I did night? Uh, last night. Yep, late last night. Um, I was excited for this. You were a li- you're a listener who is on the show. Is that correct? You you exactly. You, that's yeah. the the new American dream. I love I the it. show. I reached out to you, and and here I am. So yeah, and I liked your story um, because you did something that uh, I think not a lot of people. Well, I'll, I'll put it differently. You did, you built a Amazon FBA business and, um, 
I've seen a lot about FBA, but the people who tell me about FBA are always selling me something for FBA. And so um, right. I hate that. And uh, I like just talking to people who um, if you if you're telling me you got rich, then you probably don't need to sell me something for nine ninety nine type of thing. Exactly. Um, and so so I'm excited to talk to you because you built a successful Amazon FBA business and uh, you're here to tell the tale. Uh, what made you want to do this? Well, for me, when I was learning the business, podcasts were everything, like podcasts, Facebook groups, Reddit threads. Um, I feel like I've gotten so much from podcasts. So hopefully someone will either get a little bit inspired or get educated. Like um, you were listening to them or you went on them and that's listening, how you Listening, no, listening, listening completely, yeah. There's this guy named Manny Coates who does an Amazon podcast. He never met me, doesn't know me. I mean, I probably wouldn't have a million dollar business without right. without him. So there's there's all these people that have been really influential via podcast that um, it kind of is fun to come full circle and say like, here's my story on a podcast. Right. And so so what is your story? Okay, so we're here on my first million. Um, how did you make your first million? Just let's start with the, the basics. So I, I built and sold an Amazon FBA business. Okay. And let me, I can give you kind of the, please do the scoop. So FBA people don't know is essentially selling on Amazon, right? So that gives you access to two of the most powerful things out there, which is millions of Amazon households, prime customers and Amazon's distribution network. So say we want to create a product, Sean, you know, a uh, cell phone case, Sean's cell phone case. We put your, your handsome face on there. Yep. Um, we can list it on Amazon. All right. Reach millions of prime households. And when someone buys that product, you're, we're going to use Amazon's distribution. They're going to do pick, pack, and ship. We don't have to do a thing. And then we get paid. So the net of reaching all those customers and having their distribution means we can scale up a huge business, a seven-figure business with just one person. Like right. For me, no VC money, no employees. I was working full-time. I started with, you know, 5,000 bucks in my little Chromebook, like, so building on the back of Amazon, I mean, it has this risk, we can talk about that, but it also has this huge scale and leverage that you can generate. I love it. And so, so FBA stands for Fulfilled by Amazon, for those who don't know what we're talking about. And uh, it's similar to other e-commerce businesses, but Amazon is your, in this case, it is the main selling channel for you. Was it the main selling channel? It was the main selling channel. And then secondly, Amazon is the sort of uh, back of the house. It is the the sort of pick, pack, and ship uh, so that you can focus on growing the business and not just the operations. Not have to hire staff and get a warehouse and do all these other things in order to fulfill your orders. Is that correct? A hundred percent. Yep. You nailed it. And so what, um, what were you doing before you started this business? Yeah. So I was, uh, so I started the business in 2016. I'm about 10 years out of school at that point. I'm kind of reaching this inflection point where I was really not happy in following kind of the the right path, uh, quote unquote, the right path. What's the right path? Well, you know, you kind of are, whether it's society or whatever else, you kind of hear this story. You go to school, like I went to school, I studied accounting, I got my CPA, worked for, you know, good firms. And the at the end of it, I just wasn't that engaged or happy. And I got really scared. Like, you know, I'm early thirties, mid thirties. Now, is this going to be my next is five it? years? Ten? Is this, is this it? Is this all there is? And that scared me so much. Right. And that was really the, what lit the fire of like, there's got to be like, I got to build my own right. life raft out of this. Because you were winning the normal game, right? Go to school, get a good job, do well in that job. And that's a scary feeling when you're like, I'm winning, but I feel like I'm losing. Yeah, it totally is. Yeah, it's a really scary. It feel it's sort of like this dissonance in your head. Like I thought I was doing the right things to win this game, and it's not like I was financially that far ahead either. Because like, 
you know, you end up getting a decent car, a nice house, right. and now, you, you know, we have a kid <laughs> recently. So it's like, wait a minute, I don't even like playing this game, and I'm not really getting where I thought I was going to go. So right. that's kind of what spurred, like, it's sort of now or never time we're going to be having a kid in the near future. And, um, I mean, as you probably know, like, having a, having a kid and starting something, are, they're hard to do at the same time. So I felt like all this pressure, like, I got to go and I got to go now and get something going. And so do you remember what, uh, do you remember the, the sort of the day you made that decision or you, you really felt like, okay, I got to do this? Well, it really comes back to these podcasts. Like I said, I mean, everything from kind of marinating in the Tim Ferriss world to this, this guy, like I said, Manny kind of learning all that. And then I could see myself, like I can see myself doing this and you don't need an insane amount of capital. Like I'm living in Minneapolis. I'm not, you know, out here going to pitch to VCs. It's right. like, it felt attainable. Like I could, I could start it. And I said, you know, at the, the thing I like about Amazon is it's pretty asymmetrical. Like I started with 5,000 bucks and it turns into seven figure business. So right. it feels like, Hey, I'll make a small bet. That's going to really sting if this thing just goes to zero, but I can pick my life up and keep going. Even if I, you know, lose every dollar I put into it. Right. And you, um, what were you, I like this question. What were you making before you quit your job? Uh, to do this, what was their salary as a as a CPA? Is that right? Was that what you're doing? Yeah, transition to finance. So I think I want to say I was making I don't know 105, 110, so low, living low, in, and yeah. living in Minneapolis. Yeah, it goes pretty far. Goes pretty like far. it's a comfortable life, and like I don't I don't want to say I'm ungrateful or you know come off like. Uh, you know, t- totally out of touch. But I just on the inside at the end of the day, when you lay your head on the pillow, like I just didn't feel fulfilled. Um, so yeah, so it was comfortable, but it just wasn't, something was missing. Right. And so, okay. So you, you do this and by the way, we're not going to be able to say exactly what the product is or exactly the company name, uh, for, for sort of non-disclosure reasons, because when you sold the business, you agreed to keep things confidential. Uh, but we'll talk around it. And, and I think more importantly than the specifics of, what your product was, it's the mechanics, right? It's the mindset yep. you had to go into it. It's how you figured out how to actually build this thing. It's the mechanics about what it means to be, to sell online. Um, and then lastly, sort of the, the, the happy ending, which is, uh, being able to sell this for seven figures. And now, you know, you're, you're a new, you, you, you sort of achieved the thing you set out to achieve. Um, so talk, talk to me about getting it off the ground. So yeah. you, you decide I got to do something. Yep. You're inspired by these podcasts. What does that really mean? First, did you start it as a side hustle or did you quit and go go full on? First started as a side hustle. I wasn't, uh, you know, I was optimistic, but not so <laughs> not so optimistic. I was ready to stake my whole future on it. So I started on the side. My first product, I can I can say what that was. I started um, with this. Have you ever heard of pour over coffee? Maybe yeah, popular in San Francisco. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I started with this accessory for pour over coffee and it was made out of wood. And I thought like, you know, I'd done all my product research and I also like to choose things that were kind of trending upward. And this seems sort of like a hipster, like cool thing. It's going to keep trending and growing. Like, yep. all right, I got the great first product pour over coffee stance. This is going to be awesome. And I, you know, I source it out of China. I get this logo off of Fiverr. Like I'm, I feel like, all right, I got the right pieces in place and I get it in, I launch it and it is a total fail. It, it flops. <laughs> it's, it turns out products made out of wood can break. They can crack. Um, and that's what happened with this. And I'm getting one star reviews on Amazon. I'm getting all these angry customers. Um, so I'm feeling pretty defeated at that point. I was able to you know, I probably put 5,000 bucks and maybe got 4,000 bucks out of it. So I took right. like small, small loss. Um, but how much time did you put into that? 
Maybe three months. Three months. Okay. And I learned, it was like... You got a test run. I got so much learning out of that from how to source out of China to how to, you know, optimize a product on Amazon to deal with customers. To, like, it, the learning was invaluable. And if I, if I would have quit there, obviously I would have never hit the second product. But like, right. without that, I might not have ever, you know, been able to grow it to what I did. So, so I... I take a hit there and I'm down kind of licking my wounds and visiting my parents in Arizona and we start talking and they casually are mentioning what turns out to be my next product now. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I think you mentioned this recently on a podcast. Like I was, I'm a big believer in like the notes app and like observing everything. Like we filter out so much yep. and I was kind of in this frame where everything I was doing, I'm like, could this be a business? Could this be a business? And I'm going to put it in the notes <laughs> app and I'm going to come back to it and I'm going to see what happens with it. And this was- I relate the, to that. Yes. Yeah. I got probably 30 of them, you know, at least that in my phone. So- You can turn your brain into a scanning machine for opportunity. You can. If you're wired, if you if you start thinking that way, you won't even have to try. Your brain will just start seeing everything. Your friend will be telling you about something and you couldn't give less of a shit about what they're telling you, except for the fact that you're like, huh. Who, is that is that made in China? How much does that sell for? So do you buy do you buy multiple of these or just one? You know, you start assessing you the business potential. Yeah. Of everything. It's so true. You start deconstructing it. Like, wow, I bet I could get that out of China for three bucks. Right. I bet it's it's. Uh, but you just got to flip the switch because then all of a sudden you do that, and then you can marry it up to. There's these great tools you can do research on Amazon to kind of see you're looking for. So let's talk about some of those tools. So you you start to get this idea yep. of like, what about this product? What about this? What's yep. the first step of research for you when you were like, okay, how do I figure this out? Is this good or bad? Yeah, so there's a couple tools, and essentially what, the, what you're trying to do is look for enough demand, but not so much competition, right? So there's sort of this sweet spot. Like if you have no demand, and you, know, you, you can be the only one standing there, but no one's going to buy it, and the, the opposite is true. So there's a couple tools, Helium 10, Jungle Scout. If people want to learn about those, go check them yep. out. They're great tools to learn, you know, what's selling on Amazon. Um, so this product I zero in on, and like, all right, I... I hear about it from my family. It looks good. Let's, you know, fire another shot here and see what, see what happens. So, um, I run the same play. This again, is 2016. I probably put now my $4,000 that I have allocated for, for this into it. And the 4,000 bucks is going mostly towards the minimum order. Is that exactly. correct? Of inventory. Yeah. Yep. So I think I ordered 500 units uh, at the start, which was the minimum order. Right. I found my supplier in Alibaba. Right. I'm up at, you know, 9, 10 PM at night talking on the phone, trying to, you know, come off as that I have half a clue what I'm doing. And you're private labeling a product. Private labeling Meaning a product. You weren't saying let's invent something together. You were saying I want that. Was it, did you even modify it or you were like, I want that, but here's my brand logo colors, et cetera. I did some modification. I think especially now um, you got to do more than just be a total me too. The modification doesn't need to be big. So like, for me, I added something to my product that literally cost me 10 cents. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, say my product costs seven bucks and with this little addition, seven, it was ten. seven ten. Right. But the thing is, you're trying to increase the perceived value of your product. So right. if I have product A and product B, and I've got something else in product B that, that A doesn't have, all right, I might pull a bunch of buyers from that for the low, low cost of, you know, five, ten cents. Yep. So there was slight modification, but it wasn't like a reframe, of, you know, inventing stuff, doing all these sketches, right. nothing like that. It was like, let's get some nice branding and let's make it appealing to people online. All right, it's 2020, new year, it's going to be a big year, and you know we had to come in with some new awesome partners. So for January, we are partnering up with Microsoft and My First Million. That's right, this episode is brought to you by Microsoft, because whether you're just starting out or you're well on your way to your first million, Microsoft Teams can help your team hit the ground running. With must-have features like real-time chat, editing, and video calling, all in one easy-to-use platform. Teams is a no-brainer at a price you can afford. 
Yep, there is a free version of Teams, as in it costs zero dollars. See for yourself at aka.ms slash the hustle. Again, that's aka.ms slash the hustle to check out Teams brought to you by Microsoft. I love it. Microsoft, that is a trillion dollar company, right? We're talking about my first million. They're, they're on my first trillion. So that's goals for everybody. They got there because they build epic products, Microsoft Word, Excel, PowerPoint. These are products that stand the test of time. And now they've come out with Teams to help Teams chat, communicate, and work together. And I think it's awesome. All right, great. Let's get back to this episode. And now for anyone who's ever tried to source products from China or Alibaba or overseas in general, there's the natural sort of like, there's a language barrier slightly. There's uh, the biggest thing is trust, right? So how did you have any missteps in terms of sourcing the product or any bad experiences where they ship you something and it's junk? Um, did you, how did you navigate that? No, that was, I was really scared about that at the start because you, the way you pay, you pay 30% to start production and then 70% when production's complete. And I thought, you know, they're going to just take my money and run. I'll never hear from the the (laughs) WeChat messages will just be unanswered. Um, So honestly, it's, I, you know, there was never anything like that. Like, you know, there's always little quirks and little quality things. And, you know, you ask for something and you get something else. Like, that's just part of the the deal. Nature of the beast. But there was never any big, uh, you know, big problems or issues. Okay. So you get this product sourced and we can say it's... uh, uh, what's the sort of generic way we can talk about the, the, the space you were in? We can, so there's different categories on Amazon. So we can say it's in the sports and outdoors cool. category. Sports and outdoors Amazon. category. Yeah. So you source this product, um, you, you, you spend about how long to, to do that? That takes a month. That takes a month and a half. Yeah, about a month. About a month. And, um, how does round two go? So round one kind of got your ass kicked. What happens yes. in round two? So round two. So I think I get the product up the fall of 2016. Um, and then, you know, come Q4 is the prime time for selling online. It can yep. blow your mind, the, the <laughs> amount of sales that can occur. So so I've got the product on there. My expectations are fairly low because of what happened round one. <laughs> um, and it takes off pretty much from the jump. Uh, there's some different things you kind of want to do to get get the wheel spinning. But it that first year, partial year of 2016, did almost six figures in revenue. So for someone going from zero to something, that, that was like, wow, this is... This is huge. I mean, there's, I'm not sure if you sold on Amazon or see it, but there's a seller app. And I was just like checking an addict, yeah. just refreshing that thing like constantly. Right. And it almost didn't feel real until the deposits hit in the bank. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, people are really buying this. Right. The, the product. So that's when it was like, this could really be something. And then kind of the rest of the journey was doubling down and trying to just grow it from there. And so, so that sounds amazing. And if I'm listening to this, I'm like, oh, hold on. I feel like the magic step of like how the order started coming in, like what, what was that? What did you do to get it off the ground in terms of the marketing or uh, acquiring customers? Yeah. So on Amazon, you need to be at the top of page one if you want to get sales in the organic rank. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of different ways you can, you can get there. And it's harder now than it was then. This is somewhat like the gold rush days of Amazon that I was starting. And so it was a different time and easier than it is today. Um, but you need to get to the top of page one. So a lot of, a lot of times people will uh, cut the price of their product pretty heavily, which will basically uh, entice people to buy the product. Yep. And then it you get in the good graces of Amazon's algorithm. You start moving up to the top of page one. So long as your, your product's good and your service is good, you can stick there. Like, And what did you notice for the algorithm? What did it favor? Was it reviews? Is there anything else? Return rates? Uh, you know, what, what did it like? 
to me, the two big variables are reviews and price. Like if, if you have good reviews and you're priced competitively, like you're going to be in the good graces of the algorithm. Right. So those are, those are so, so is that what you key. did? Did you, did you lower the price initially to get going? I lowered the price in, initially. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I got some initial reviews. There's it's all sorts of funny business going on right now with reviews, but yeah. back then, um, you know, I did it the right way. I didn't engage in any, in any of that funny business. I got all these legitimate reviews and uh, it just started small. There wasn't that much competition then versus now a lot of things are, there's still a ton of opportunity in Amazon and you can grow a, a huge business today, but it is a little more saturated right. and, and competitive now. So month one, do you remember what you did month one? Was that what you were saying? Six figures or that was? Uh, no, that was the first like three months. Okay. Yeah. So month one, I want to say it was like 10 grand. Okay. Uh, and then it starts to ramp. And then it starts to ramp, yeah, and it gets into the the holiday season. And it's and just how like are you bonkers. Feeling, how are you feeling at this time? I'm like I'm just pinching myself because I got burned so bad the first time, and like <laughs> I said, mentally I'm in a place where it's like uh, I'm just I'm hurting because I do not want to stay in the career I'm in. I, it's just not the right fit. So I'm feeling like so much is riding on Figuring this, this and it's just got to work. And, and then once I got a little taste of it, it was like. Okay, now it's on. Did you it's, give it's yourself go. a certain amount of time? It's like, all right, I'm going to give myself six months to try this. If I don't do this, I go back and get my job. Or did you just say, I'm doing this? I'm, you know, well, I no kept my long. job, right? So oh, I was sorry. I was yeah. still at my job. So it was kind of, you know, if I was single in my 20s, maybe I would have been been riskier. But I was, we were expecting a, a kid and, you know, so you were a house, still at a mortgage payment. So it was like, I can't be irresponsible and, and, and just How was dive. it going to work that day when you're like, well, I'm doing, you know... 60 grand a month right now in my in my my side hustle uh, how was that <laughs> very difficult very difficult to focus uh, I, I have to say you know i was a professional i hope I, I like to think through and through but i can't lie like my uh you know my output or what i gave to the company probably wasn't right everything that i i could have just because you know it's it was so exciting like something else could could be hitting here and so how long did it go before you did end up going full-time so 2016 is when I started in the fall and it kind of ramped up. And then 2017, uh, like halfway through 17 is when my son was born and also I left the company. So that was a big, right. uh, a big moment there. Um, and, and 17 was uh, just over seven figures in sales. So that's when it really started to kind of validate, like, this is a legit business. You're always a little bit like, is this real? Is this going to be here tomorrow? And then after you see it kind of run a certain amount of time, it's like, okay, I think it is. And I can right. I can step away and do it. So what's a healthy margin on a business? You do a million in sales uh, for an Amazon FBA business. What's considered good, bad, mediocre, whatever? Like, give us a sense for the yeah. margin you should be looking for, what you actually get to keep out of the revenue. Yeah, yeah. so I, I would target about 25%. Is, is good, I would say. Right. Um, PPC costs, advertising costs have been creeping upwards. So I think like there's not a ton of like high sales spots anymore where you're going to be able to pull that margin. Mm-hmm. Um, but 20, 25% is, is pretty realistic. And you were advertising on Amazon itself. Absolutely. Yeah. Advertising is key on Amazon as well. And you can do, you know, like Google, you can get on Amazon, the most powerful shopping platform in the world, bid on a keyword and be the top result, you know, your sponsor, but you are at the top of Amazon.com for whatever keyword you want to get and reach millions of people. That's, that is serious power right there. And so at your, let's say when you were in your, your stride, what percent of your sales were coming from the sponsored link versus organic? So it was probably 70% organic and 30% sponsored. Okay. And what, were there any sort of key things you did that were, uh, because what I like about your bit, what I like about what you said so far is um, 
there's two types of stories. There's the founder is a genius. It's like, I was a genius for coming up with this idea. I invented this thing that didn't exist. And then when I was marketing this, I came up with this genius idea to, to do something nobody else was doing. And then there's the other one, which is more like reality, which is, um, founder's not an idiot and founder's not an idiot says I did basically all the obvious things you would expect me to do. And I did them well and I did them consistently. And then, then I succeeded and it didn't require any sort of act yes. of God in order to do it. Were there any founders genius moments? Cause so far you've told me a lot of the, the other one, which is sort of not fumbling the ball. Um, were there any unconventional things you did or tried that worked? You know, not really. I think that's the appeal of this business is that the hardest thing to overcome was really my own self-doubt. And uh, at the start, I was really uncertain. Like, I'm just, a, I'm a fool. I'm going to lose this money. And I was telling my wife about this idea. I'm going to sell stuff on Amazon. I'm going to take 5,000 bucks and I'm <laughs> going to send it to China and bring product in. And like, she, you know, very loving and trying to be helpful from the start, but saying like, are you, you know, looking at it like a, like she would any business trying to poke holes in it. And I remember saying like, at this point, like, please just be a cheerleader because I'm already kind of hanging by a thread, like on my own <laughs> belief in it. So just like, tell me I can do it. And then like, once we get this ball rolling, then like, you know, come on in and help me with some of the tactical stuff. But, right. but no, there was no big thing. And I think the biggest thing is like, it's all so much of stuff is right there on the internet in Facebook groups, on podcasts, on Reddit. Like if you seek it and you really want to go out there and, and do it and actually take action and, and, you know, do more than kind of just look at it and talk about it. Like it's there if you want to learn it and it doesn't take, right. it doesn't take huge capital to build a business like this. I mean, five grand is a lot of money, but it's not, you know, going to sink someone or going to take someone forever to save that type of money up. Did you go visit your manufacturer? I did. Yeah, I did how, go over How many there. times did you do that? And when did you do that? Early in the process, as you grew, or right yeah. at the beginning to vet them? So I went, uh, I found the manufacturer in Alibaba. And then as I was finding them and coming out of this business, I actually had a trip booked to go over to the Canton Fair, which if you don't know the Canton Fair, it's like the world's biggest fair with suppliers over in China. And it was insane. I mean, anything you ever would want to source was over there. So I was going over there thinking, I'm going to find all these products. I'm going to start my empire. Um, and that was really cool. And I loved being over there. Um, and the Canton Fair is like, I, I forgot the number. It's like 800 football fields long or something crazy. It's, crazy. it's the biggest expo yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's for crazy. manufacturers to meet sort of buyers. Exactly. Yeah. So I went over there. I didn't actually find my supplier there. I kind of had him on the on the <laughs> line ahead of time. Um, but it was still a really good educational experience, kind of both to see different suppliers, learn more about the culture, just kind of get like in the in that headspace of doing business with China. Um, but then I did go visit my manufacturer a couple times. And uh, yeah, it was really interesting. I mean, the first night, I think he just wanted to mess with me. He took me out and we were eating street food. Like he bought me spiders and crickets <laughs> yeah. and all these things just to just see, you know, what I would do. I played right into his hands. And yeah, there's a great all game up by it. Yeah. Fuck with the American. Yeah, and he yeah. played it. <laughs> he played it well. Um, but it also, I felt like going there cements the relationship further so like you get you know maybe a little bit better pricing a little bit better look at to make sure you get the qualities right so i think it's such a relationship game with suppliers like whether they're going to prioritize your shipment versus someone else's and all sorts of things were they, so, were they supplying for your competitors too i believe so yeah, yeah. i mean that's the case for a lot of <laughs> a lot of these suppliers yeah, like though right. they'll, they'll you know they're put uh, outputting all sorts of different products and slapping on different labels so yeah they i'm um, pretty certain they were so you you went and you cemented the relationship you spent some time together um great so you, you did that the other question i had was you talked about 
you know, the more successful you get, the bigger your orders need to get. And so you're always in this cash poor business, you know, asset rich game where the business is growing, your asset is growing, but you continually are pouring out money before it comes back. And so uh, talk a little bit how you manage that. Did you do anything with a line of credit or anything like that? Talk about some of the mechanics there. Yeah, that was, I, I way underestimated that. You're, you're spot on. That was really a tough component of it. And you feel really poor, even though you're like, I'm showing these profits on paper, but like the money <laughs> Where is the immediately money? <laughs> goes back out of my bank account. Um, so I, I really just did it based on the profits of the business and drawing them down to, I mean, it felt like every order I placed, I was like putting my whole net worth on the line, <laughs> uh, which was a scary feeling, but it was kind of necessary to keep to keep fueling the growth of the, of the company. Right. So, I didn't. Amazon offers a line of credit once you get some establishment. The interest rate's pretty high, like, but you can always pull on on that, or once you've been up and running a while. But for me, I just poured the profits right back in. Gotcha. So let's let's do the formula. So what on one side the inputs. So five grand is what you put personal capital into the business. Right. Um, time. So you started this sort of late 2016. You sold when. Uh, early 2019. Early 2019. And so let's call it two, two and a half years, roughly, right? Yep. Um, so that's the, that's what came in. Um, what you got out of it. So, um, so you sold this business. What multiple, uh, do these businesses sell for? Are these the types of things that, you know, you could be doing a million bucks and sell for 10 or a million bucks you sell for a million? Yeah. So usually about a three multiple. Uh, of what? Of EBITDA? Of, of EBITDA. Yep. Three of EBITDA. So it's a low, you know, relative to other businesses, it's a low multiple, but you're also, Amazon's a risky animal to be on. So like, I think the... So how did that decision to sell come up? Man, that was so hard because I really liked, like, this was like the first job, if you will, that I ever felt like, I, I love this. Like, I love doing this. So the idea of selling it was hard. Um and I didn't, when I started this, it was all about, I, I want freedom. I want flexibility. I want to be around when my, my son is here. I don't want to be in commutes and in these meetings. I want like the, you know, the actual time to be here, but also kind of the mental, mental health or mental clarity to be present as well. So, but as I built it and it got bigger and bigger, it seemed like, all right, this is the right thing to do for my family. If we can sell this, this would go a long way. So I started because uh, there's risk, right? That that was there's the risk. Side, right? Yeah, Amazon, Amazon can, risk. Amazon can take you out in a moment's notice for something very legitimate, something not legitimate. So, like, I, I mean, I would have nightmares at night. Like, hey, what if I wake up tomorrow and I have the email from Amazon and I'm shut down and I right. got to go through all the hoops and who knows? Like, so that just felt really scary. And like, there's probably a lot of upside left on the table. Like, maybe. You know, they, the, the folks that bought the company from me, they can turn around and sell it for 5X in a few years. And that, that would be, I, I'd be thrilled if they do that. But for me, it was like to, to bank the the win. The win just felt like a, the right thing to do. And you also mentioned uh, when we were chatting before we came on here, um, the sort of other risks that are in, in a business like this with physical inventory, you know. You're you're putting a lot of money into inventory. What happens with a bad batch? What happens, you know, so talk a little bit about that. The other risks that you saw besides the Amazon sort of, competition or algorithm changes besides that what else was there yeah so it's you know when i started i was bringing in 500 units it's pretty small uh like i said five thousand bucks at the start but it's a very cash intensive business growing is great but that means your next order from your supplier is going to be that much larger right so it went from these tiny little orders to you know 40 foot containers that have you know quarter million dollars worth of inventory in them and if something's goes wrong with that that's like I'm I'm sunk. So there's also like every shipment you have this this fear. low grade fear that like you know is this I, container going to fall? Is off the this boat? container going to fall off the boat? <laughs> and then like my business is done. 
So, you know, to mitigate that, it felt responsible too. There's, there's just various risks. You have all your eggs in that basket. So, and how'd you go about selling it? What, how did that happen? So I used, uh, you had Joe Valian from Quilight Brokerage. I used yep. them. They were fantastic. Yep. Um, I'd never sold a business. I didn't know this world. So they, you know, I, I'm a former accountant, former CPA. So like my books were, were clean. That's usually a pretty big thing that people mess up. People mess up. That yep. wasn't, a, wasn't an issue for me. Um, and yeah, it was crazy. Uh, we put the business on and uh, within, I want to say a week or 10 days, there were seven offers full price or higher offers, which was just like mind blowing to <laughs> to have that too. So that was a, a super nerve wracking process and also uh, an exciting process. And you went back and negotiated with all seven or took one of them or what'd you do? Yeah. So there's negotiation. So it's like, I think when I walked into it, it's like, well, whoever names the high number, I'm going to, you know, that's what I'm going to take. take. Right. But <laughs> when you get into it, you realize some people are uh, like the guys that buy my business. I had a just a good connection with them. And I thought they would really do a good job running the business. Like they knew what they were doing. They're really capable. They seemed honest, straightforward about things. Versus other people were a little bit like me a few years ago. Like they were awesome, but like they were still sitting in their, in their cube somewhere and they never touched e-commerce or Amazon. And I was just afraid, like if they inherit this beast and like things, you know, go bad, like I, I don't know what that looks like. So I want to make sure I pass this to someone that you thought what? You thought you'd get sued, or you th- what do you think would happen? Because uh, who cares, right? You sell this. I guess you, you didn't need this business before. Or sorry, this business just came out of nowhere. You you built it. You sell it. I don't who cares know. What happens yeah, I, maybe it wasn't a rational thought. I, I'm really not sure. I mean, the other piece was the transition too. It's like uh, if people know e-commerce and Amazon, it makes life so much easier. They yeah. just pick it up and run. Versus if it was someone that never touched this, it would have been a lot of investment. But yeah, part of it probably was just an irrational fear. Like <laughs> they're gonna. They're going to jack this thing up and somehow I'm going to, it's all going to get unwound and it's going to be like a bad joke on me or something. Uh, You know, we've only known each other for, I don't know how long I've been sitting here, 30 minutes maybe. Uh, But I like, uh, I really like your personality because uh, A, you're a nice, humble guy and you did, you you know, you're a smart guy. Uh, But B, I think it's cool to see somebody who's not uh, Mr. Bravado who started a business. Uh, Like I actually think you're quite risk averse and you just took very practical, pragmatic steps to like approach this business and get the outcome you wanted without being like sort of hero entrepreneur. Um, and there's a lot of hero entrepreneur stories out there because that's what sells, right? Somebody sure, taking crazy sure. risk. That's a great story. Right. Um, but what I like about your story, it was a great story to me is that, uh, you were more of a conservative guy. It sounds like to me, uh, you, you know, you're like, you know, I, I got beat up my first time, but you lost only a thousand bucks in three months. It's like, that's nothing, yeah, you know, that's like what... that's the cost of entry for business. Right. Uh, but, but the way you were approaching it, I think really, uh, t- is very, uh, I think will be re- very relatable. Um, if I'm listening to this, I'm like, okay, this, it's not like this guy's from some cut from some totally different cloth than me. He's not some alien species that has this different, no fear gene. Uh, it sounds like you're a regular person who did a really awesome business. And I, I really like that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Thanks for, I, I think it's really the truth, uh, that people can access these types of businesses and with a pretty small bet, like create a life changing business for themselves and their, right. and their family. So I think, you know, I would encourage a lot of, you know, if you feel something inside of you, go for it and try it because you never know what could happen. And so you sell and you do, uh, is, is it a clean deal cash in the bank or you got to do a seller note and sort of take money down it, the road? It's mostly a clean deal with a small seller note. Okay. Yeah. And yep. so money hits the bank. Uh, what happens? Well, tell me about that day. Uh, it was, I think it was so, going through the process was so stressful that when it hit, I was just like this relief. big relief <laughs> and it just felt like, like I had run like, you know, an ultra marathon from like kind of 
birthing this little business out and then carrying it for a few years. And then the culmination of it, it was just like pure relief. Um, and it felt really good. There was no like, you know, big part. It was nothing maybe like you'd think when someone sells a business and they yeah. see seven figures drop in their account. It was just like ah, a big right. exhale. <laughs> <laughs> and so so you um, you see it come in your bank account. And uh, what changes for you in your life? Right. You said you you. you uh, by that point, I assume you had had your your child. Yes. Um, yep. And so, uh, what changes in your life? Uh, what did you, what did you change in your lifestyle? Um, tell us about what that's what that's like. Yeah, I mean, it really was is a blessing. It was, and it still is a blessing. Just you know, wealth in and of itself to me isn't kind of the end game, but it's what the money can enable. And like, my son's two and a half now, and like the the freedom and the flexibility and the relationship I have with him, like it wouldn't have been possible had I still been working, you know, my normal nine to five. You have your time. I have, I have the time and I have, I'm just present and like really happy and open to be with him. It's been the best thing that's ever happened to me having, right. you know, ha- having our son. So that honestly, just kind of that time and freedom has been the best thing. And it's also given me the gift of just being able to sit back and reflect a little bit. Like, what do I want to do as far as you know do next what type of dad do i want to be partner i think for me like i was just on this treadmill you know going 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 i'm working i'm traveling i'm trying to get groceries in the house you're just going all the time and you don't like this allowed a little bit of space to to just step back and think like what do i want to do next what do i want to do with my life you know so that was a real blessing and i think a lot of people don't right have that luxury to, to do that and so you, you you talk about asking yourself that question. All right, what do I want to do now? Sale comes through. You have that sort of anticlimactic day where you you just feel relief. Um, you don't go do anything. Like I remember talking to Michael Birch. He's, he's like my, probably the third or fourth episode, and um, you know he sold his business for, for crazy money, like eight hundred fifty million dollars. And they they went to a movie. Like him and his wife went to a movie, <laughs> like a, you know ten dollar tickets uh, uh, movie because he was like I don't know what to do. Uh, we haven't seen a movie in a while, and I love movies. Let's go watch. You know they went they went and watched Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Um, so so what did you actually do that day? Oh man. It- I honestly, it, I think it was such an unremarkable day that I can't, I, I think my son was home from his school and I feel like we just like watched, you know, Mr. Rogers or something and like hung out and like when you're hanging out with a little kid, like you, you go into a whole different headspace. So right. it wasn't, yeah, it was just a normal thing, which is actually totally fine and how I would have, would have liked it. So awesome. it, it was pretty, pretty chill day. And you said you started to ask yourself, what do you want to do again? So you had option one, which a lot of people would take, which is great. I got to win. I know how to do this now. Next time, if I did it, I'd be way smarter at it because I know all these new things and they jump back in and try to, you know, sort of exploit this opportunity again. You didn't do that. Why not? Oh, I I really want to, like, I I liked this, but I feel like it was sort of a chapter in my life. And like, I did it, I started it, I learned a ton and I I don't know if I have the energy to like, knowing what I know now, like you got to really want it to carry something from kind of the idea in your head to building it to scaling it to selling it like you gotta you gotta want it deep down like every single day and keep grinding keep grinding keep grinding and i honestly don't know if i have that in me right anymore for an amazon business um so i'm doing a little bit of amazon consulting which i really like because i'm actually like when you do an amazon business it's kind of a lonely existence like it's it's just you you're talking to your suppliers <laughs> uh but you're just kind of rolling solo for most of it so it's been fun. I've been working with with uh, some companies to help them sell on Amazon. That's been pretty cool. And I'm trying to get into the content space as well, kind of leveraging. So 
like I said, I'm a former CPA, I'm a personal finance nerd, uh, like building online businesses. So I think Sam talked about like, hey, if I was starting something new, you want a weekend business, go build a content site. These guys are in a nerd wallet or wherever they're doing, doing well. So um, I saw the same thing. I felt the same thing as him. So that's kind of my next yeah, thing. so shout it out. What's the website? Uh, I was reading it this morning on my way. Yeah, so it's called wealthfam.com. Yep. Uh, it's brand new. I'm kind of, I'm still in that sort of fragile state like I was when, like, I haven't, my parents are like, well, what are you building? I'm like, Does it have a name? I'm like, no, not yet. <laughs> yeah, of course it has a name. Um, <laughs> so it's still kind of in those early days. But the, the thought is, like, I'm a personal finance nerd. I've learned a lot from podcasts and online. So I'm trying to, like, pull all these things together and, and, put a site out there that people can learn about making money, saving money, financial independence. Like that's became a big thing on this yep. journey too. Like, all right, if you really want freedom, you got to, you know, get financial independence and financial freedom. So talking about some of those things. Um, so we'll see, I mean, it's such a crowded space and it's a hard thing to do uh, as far as like stand out and get eyeballs on it. But I'm starting at the same place as give I was before yeah. at zero and <laughs> give it a shot. And I, I really like to write and I hope, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with it. Yeah. Wealthfam.com. So you, I think you'll get thousands of visits just from saying that, uh, you know, say three times wealthfam.com, wealthfam.com, you know, <laughs> people will listen. Cause, cause I think, you know, you touched on the right thing, which is financial independence. Um, you know, I regret naming this podcast my first million now because, um, a, you know, the gimmick kind of is, is interesting at the beginning, but like then you're stuck with the gimmick because it's hard to change your name. Um, <laughs> but B, you know, the intention is never really about, uh, making millions of dollars. The, what people want is a great life. And, uh, the good thing about what, what money can provide you is that freedom, uh, the financial freedom to, to live life on your terms, whatever those may be. Um, for you, it might be hanging out with your kid. Um, it might be writing. It might be consulting. It might be skiing. I don't know. I don't know what sure. all you like, but it enables the freedom for the lifestyle you want. And, uh, and I think it's really fundamentally what people, what people want and are realizing that, you know, um, job is one option and it can get you to financial freedom, but it usually gets you there when you're 65. And, uh, if you're 100%. willing, if you're willing 100%. to trade 21 years, 21 through 65, um, then that's a path that's tried, sure. tried and tested. Yep. Uh, but a lot of people are now realizing, especially as the internet opens up all these new opportunities, that uh, you can get financial freedom much faster and uh, in a way maybe that that's more in line with you and who you are. Um, and once you have that financial freedom, um, you can play the game differently because every month you don't have to sort of um, wonder where's the paycheck going to come from. And so, so I like that you're teaching that because I think that is the – Probably the most important thing people can learn on a in terms of career or finances is that that one principle. Hundred percent, yeah. And it took me a long time even to realize that um, you know I was never really chasing money for the sake of money. But then once you get going, you're like, you know, I'm sure you've heard of the four percent rule, like which is you know if you can if your burn rate essentially is say forty grand a year, you need to save a million bucks for. Uh, 40 grand is 4% of that. So right. like, you kind of can like quickly do like this math, like, all right, here's what I need to achieve. Like, So 4% you know. rule helps you figure out what's your number where you would be financially free. Exactly right. Yep. And uh, and it comes from your monthly burn rate, which most people don't even know. That's <laughs> an important first rate. step. Figure out your burn rate. And so, yeah. uh, so do you track your burn rate every month? You know, I'm not like hardcore. But you have a rough sense I of what a, it comes Yeah, I definitely to. have a rough sense. So like there was definitely like a number like, hey, if we get to, you know, this number – like we can live a comfortable life. Like we're right. not going to be like, you know, taking month long vacations to, you know, the 
most exclusive right. places in the world, but like we can be very comfortable, live a very nice life. And like that was the goal. And we're pretty much at that goal now. And it feels like really, really nice. And so you set a new goal now or what happens? You know, I don't know. I guess so. Cause you got to keep moving forward and doing something, but, uh, it's the new goal is a little bit more like do something that's interesting. Like I also want to figure out, like, I feel like in my life I'm, thir- you know, mid late thirties now and I've done like very little to ever like give back or like do anything positive uh, right. for the broader world. Um, so somehow I want to do that because I think like that will feel really good. And those are the types of things that kind of stick with you and really matter. I mean, that's been a big thing about being a parent, just like caring about someone else more than you care about yourself. Like actually feels selfishly, <laughs> it feels like really good. It feels great to love someone that much, contribute that much. So I think like there must be some nugget there that there should be some other, other things to do than just keep chasing money, keep chasing right. money. Cause I don't know how you end that game if you're just continue to try to do that. Do you, uh, do you know much about Tony Robbins? Have you, have you ever followed him or, or read, listened to any of his stuff, read any of his I stuff? I listened to him, uh, but I, you know, I, I'm not, not, deep. not like it, not deep. I know people that are, so, know, I'm, so I'm deep in it. Yeah. Uh, in the, basically you go from like, uh, I, I don't know of him and I'm skeptical. Seems like just another motivational speaker. It's kind of where I am to be honest. Yeah, yeah. like that, that's the normal. And yeah. then like you take two steps forward and you're in the cult. And it's like <laughs> there's no in between, I feel like, with him. Um, and so I went to one of his events. I would actually recommend you go, uh, especially now because I think it's, a, it's best mm. when you're in transitions mm. um, or you're in a free space mentally to think. Um, and so I went to one of his events. He has these like events where he'll sell out, you know, 5,000, 7,000 people will, will come to this, um, event called Unleash the Power Within. He has lots of cheesy names because he's like, you know, older and built his fame on like the infomercial yeah. days. Sure. So there's a lot of like cringy stuff like that, but his content is very good. Uh, and he, uh, two things, uh, stood out to me. One, one that, uh, one just for context, which is even if you're not into the content, uh, it's just fucking amazing to see. Uh, this guy is the best public speaker I've ever seen. I, I would say he's the best public speaker on earth. Um, he is able to hold 10,000 people's attention for four days straight from 9 a.m. until 9 p.m. with no breaks in between. And, uh, you know, he says this even during his thing. He's like, you know, uh, most people can't sit through a two hour movie nowadays. Their attention yeah. wanders. Um, like watch what happens in the, these next four days. And it's true. People are like wired. Uh, they're like connected to him. It's really crazy. So just from a, wow, that's a, that's a, that's what an effective speaker looks like. That is the Michael yeah. Jordan of sure. public speaking. That's interesting it's cool alone to see just to take that in. before yeah. he retires. And, um, when you're talking about your goal and the fact that, you know, you, you got to come up with a new goal. Um, he talks about this. He's like, you know, you're going to reach what you achieved. If you, if you put the work in, you're going to reach what you achieved to do and you're watch what's going to happen. You're going to move the goalposts back. And some people yeah. see, see that as a defeating thing. Uh, but he has a very simple phrase, which is progress equals happiness. Um, and I've, I've really found this to be true, which is you are at your happiest when you feel a sense of progress towards whatever it is. If you're trying to lose weight, if you start to lose the weight, you will feel happy. Yeah. It doesn't actually yeah. matter what your weight is. If you plateau, you will start to feel unhappy. As soon as you start to make progress again, you'll feel happy. Financially, same thing. Career, same thing. Relationship, same thing. Progress equals happiness. I love uh, that. And I use this to manage people too because it's like uh, instead of looking at the absolute goal of where people want to be or where they are, uh, you just try to 
measure progress and encourage progress because they will feel happy along the way. And it's, it works for yourself too. Um, so that's a very long winded way to get to a very simple <laughs> phrase, which is progress equals happiness. I, I love that. Wanted to share that. Yeah, no, I'll have to check out, uh, I'll have to go from, <laughs> you know, a mild skeptic to, to, to your level of all in on. Yeah, there is the other one, which is, Oh, I checked it out. And, uh, no, that guy's the worst. Uh, and, and that's fine. You can have your range of opinions, but, uh, I think if you think there's lots of, you know, nuggets of gold in his stuff. Um, okay. So, so this has been awesome. Uh, where can people sort of get a hold of you, reach you, read your thoughts? So obviously, wealthfam.com. Uh, what else is like a, a good yeah, way to follow I just, along? Uh, I just created a Twitter account. I think I have 12 followers right now. Uh, it's <laughs> brand new. It's an embarrassingly low follower account, but I'm <laughs> tweeting about you know financial independence, building businesses online, Amazon, all, all those sorts of good topics. <laughs> um, it's at Paul underscore D underscore Anderson. Right. A- Anderson's. S-E-N, you should just buy yourself S-O-N. like a thousand followers just to get off the 12 number. <laughs> yeah, you'll get real. some real followers, but you get to a thousand. All right. Go on Fiverr, buy a thousand I'll go on followers. Fiverr just to get the credibility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you can. Yeah. I'd love to, if you're interested in starting an Amazon business, you're doing it, you have questions, thinking about selling it, you know, financial independence, anything, I'd be happy to, you know, converse with you online. Awesome. Uh, dude, thanks for coming. I, I, I like this. I like, like, I like this a lot um, for, for a lot of the reasons I said. I think that if you're listening to this, uh, and you're in the same mindset you were in, um, I'd be pretty inspired to, to say, yeah, I can, I can do something like that too. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Sean. I think you're going to be, you're going to just like me, I had these people that changed, literally changed my life and they don't know who I am. Like you're going to have people that listen to this, your podcast. And then, you know, one year, two year, three years that, you know, look you up, send you a note, like, Hey yeah. man, you changed everything for me. And I, I'd have to think that's going to feel pretty good when that day happens. Cause I think it is going to happen. Yeah. For you. My favorite email that I get from listeners is the one that says, um, you don't know, like, you don't know this yet, but I'm going to be on your show someday. And <laughs> I'm awesome. like, hell yeah, that's the, yeah, you know, that's the goal. That's and, the and, spirit. You, know, yeah. you came from the audience onto the show. So you are the sort of good example there. All right, man. All right. Thanks. Uh, this Sean. Is great. Thank you too. I share with you